Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we're going to be talking about the Joker film, uh, incels, and mental illness. Now, if you're sitting there wondering what all these three things have to do with each other, you will soon find out. Uh, Before I introduce my guest, I want to um, say a few words about the Joker movie. If you have not seen it, please go out and see it. Now, for those of you who are familiar with my work as the nation's number one anti-media violence activist, you may find it strange that I am telling you all to go see The Joker, which um, has been reported as being a very violent movie. Well, you know, all of Batman movies are pretty violent, and... um, We know, for example, uh, the one that caused a shooting in Aurora, Colorado, in the movie theater. Um, But, in fact, this movie, although, yes, there are some scenes of violence, um, but it is not gratuitous violence. It is violence that is part of the theme and the point of the movie. Now, of course, I'm not going to give away um, the ending, but I just, I will say that um, the reason why it, I'm urging you to see it is because this movie gives an explanation. It is so psychological. It gives such a good explanation as to why and how people become violent. Um, you see the Joker's life. You understand what makes him tick. And yes, does he, is he ultimately driven? He, he wasn't a, a violent man to begin with. Um, but is he ultimately driven to perpetrate very violent acts? Absolutely. And of course, this is one of the movies, you know, that gives the origin of the Joker in the Batman films. There apparently have been some other, other uh, stories described in the Joker. But this, um, I am sure, beats them all and explains, and why is this um, valuable to you? I mean, why should, and not just, well, first of all, Joaquin um, uh, Phoenix deserves best actor for this. If he doesn't get it, it will be a a steal from him. And this movie actually deserves best picture, but somehow I don't think that it's going to get it, but it certainly deserves it. Um, Now, how does this relate to incels? Well, my guest is going to talk to you about that. And as I was starting to say, you know, mental illness, um, uh, there, the Joker is seen as having had a history of mental illness. His mother, well, it's kind of questionable. The mother, (laughs) well, I don't want to go too much away. I won't go too much away. I will just, however, um, introduce my guest and read a quote from the Joker movie, well, actually, one, one of the best quotes is, is it just me or is it getting crazier out there? And we all know the answer to that. It is not just him. <laughs> um, his, the story is about the Joker is it named Ar- Arthur Fleck, and um, Joaquin, he's Joaquin Phoenix, and he's a failed stand-up comedian 
who's driven insane and turns to a life of crime and chaos in Gotham City. Um, here's a segment from the movie that will lead into my guest and what we're going to be talking about today. Um, what King, the Joker, um, Arthur Fleck, is imagining himself being on Murray Franklin's show. It's a late night talk show. And he uh, wants to be this hotshot comedian. And, um, and he and his mother, he lives with his mother, and he and his mother always watch the Murray Franklin show every night. And so that's his dream to get on the show. So, in fact, um, he gets invited to be on it, and I'm not going to explain why or how. That's part of the movie that you need to see. Um, but he, he goes into this fantasy about himself being on the Murray Franklin show. So Murray Franklin says, in his fantasy, Murray Franklin says, what's your name? And Arthur says, hi, Murray, Arthur. Uh, Murray says, Arthur. Arthur says, my name's Arthur. Murray says, well, okay, well, there's something special about you, Arthur. I could tell. Where are you from? I live right here in this city with my mother. The audience laughs. Murray says, okay, hold on, hold on. There's nothing funny about that. I lived with my mother before I made it. Just me and her. I'm that kid whose father went out for a pack of cigarettes, and he never came back. And the audience goes, aw. And Arthur Fleck says, I know what that's like, Murray. I've been the man of the house for as long as I can remember. I take good care of my mother. The audience applauds. Murray says, all that sacrifice, she must love you very much. Arthur says, she does. She always tells me to smile and put on a happy face. She says, I was put here to spread joy and laughter. The audience applauds. And then Murray says, I like that. I like that a lot. Come on down. Come on. For that, you got to come down. And Arthur joyfully joins him on the stage as the audience claps. Well, it doesn't turn out so joyfully in the end, but you will have to see that for yourself. Okay. Now, my guest. Um, I'm throwing a lot of things out at you. You will see how they all come together when my guest starts talking. His name is Dr. Warren Farrell. He is the author of a book called The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About It. He's also the author of books published in 17 languages, including two award-winning international bestsellers called Why Men Are the Way They Are and The Myth of Male Power. He's also written a book called Father and Child Reunion. And he is the chair of the commission to create a White House Council on Boys and Men. So welcome to the show. Without further ado, welcome, Dr. Farrell. Thank you. I'm looking forward to our talking. Okay. So um, uh, as I'm sure you'll agree, the, what do you have to say? You have that introduction, that, that uh, slice of, of the movie is a good introduction to what you are going to talk about today. So why don't you start us off? Yes, um, I think one of the things that that was you just were talking about with uh, that was common to both um, uh, Murray Franklin of the Murray Franklin Show and also to the Joker or Arthur the Arthur Fleck uh, character is that they uh, they were both um, minimally or had minimal or no involvement with their fathers. And one of the things I looked at when I studied um, the when I did the preparation of the 14, some 14 years of research for the Boy Crisis book uh, was I saw that um, all around the developed world um, there was uh, boys were falling behind girls in all in all, fifth, in all 
uh, of the major academic subjects in all 56 of the largest developed nations. They were falling behind girls in that area. And so I started to look at, you know, what, what was that about? And I saw that in all the developed nations, not just in Gotham City, uh, there was a, um, a minimal amount of father involvement in both, um, in two areas. One was the developed nations allowed permission for divorce. Divorce often led to children um, having minimal or no contact with their fathers. And that led to children, and especially boys, feeling abandoned, having no male role model, and having um, sort of not knowing how to, uh, how to channel uh, their testosterone in a way that was constructive. And so they were very, you know, they were very vulnerable to and very sensitive to criticism uh, because, as a rule, the, um, the fathers tend to be the boundary enforcers and the, the tough love um, characters. It's obviously, that changes, uh, that reverses in some families. Um, but that um, they, they tend to miss that type of understanding of, you know, if you want to be a man, uh, you have to not just have a dream, but you also have to have discipline. And that was not happening in the, um, uh, the families of divorce to, among the boys. Uh, girls at least had a single, um, the same-sex role model, and they had much more permission to express their feelings so a mother could attend to what was bothering them because what was bothering them was more likely to be clear. The other group that had a, a lot of, of problems with the, the um, that were also in the fatherless category is that in the United States at the moment, uh, there is um, 53% of women who have children who are under 30, that is women under 30 who have children, have those children without being married. Now, that's not always um, a, a negative, but it usually is because normally speaking, the, uh, the children, even where the ch- uh, sometimes those children don't know even who the father is. Uh, sometimes the mother doesn't know who the father is. Uh, when they do know who the father is, they often have minimal or no contact with the father. And then in the cases where the mother and father live together, um, but they are not married, um, in non-married situations, the father only, um, the average time of father involvement is about um, four years. And so then the children begin to have an attachment to the dad and then feel abandoned by the dad. And while that's very harmful for girls and about 50 different areas, it is more intensely harmful for boys. Boys are far more likely to commit suicide in that situation, join gangs, um, become part of a, uh, of a feel, feel that they don't have the discipline that it takes to accomplish their, their goals and their dreams, and therefore become ashamed of themselves and withdraw um, and feel a contempt for, um, feel, feel sadness at the people who they would like to have respect them like teachers or that or in the case of boys, if they're heterosexual, have girls respect them and want them. When they they don't succeed and perform well in school, they soon find out that the girls are much more interested in going out with winners than with losers, and so they feel rejected and they turn to porn uh, because porn is access to a variety of attractive women without fear of rejection at a price that they can afford. And, you know, that begins to get them to objectifying girls, and then girls feel objectified because they're being objectified, and then uh, eventually that proves to the boys that they're losers, and that can, that can lead them downhill and to becoming angry and hurt and, um, and feeling left out and isolated, and uh, that can be, um, you know, very dangerous. And we saw that type of de-evolution happen, um, from what I understand, um, in the, the Joker movie. Yes, absolutely. Um, we never, we never. Well, actually, um, that's one of the key, 
Uh, again, it's so hard to not give it away, but I won't. I won't. Um, no spoiler alert here. Um, but the issue of who his father is um, or was uh, is one of the key elements of this film. But you do not see him, um, well, oh, God, it's so hard <laughs> to talk about it. But anyhow, you do not, you, what, the one thing that is mentioned, and this isn't really giving it, they do talk about a, a stepfather who was very abusive to him. And in fact, you know, the, uh, the origin of his mental illness, there, there seems to be, there are many potential causes for genetic and also having these head injuries and so on. Um, but anyhow, to get back to all of your, what you were saying, there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of, um, a lot of impact. And you know, the thing is, what's really sad is that people know this, not at the, of course, not at the detailed level that your research showed, but if you just ask the average, the average mother who doesn't have a father in her life, I mean, the father of her children in her life, in their life, um, or the average teacher, I mean, they, they know that there, that there is this uh, deficiency um, in their lives that are causing all these problems that you talk about. But, and yet, what do you think is why, why isn't this getting corrected? Since people have, you know, at, at, at least a sort of a general level, not as deep a level, but since people have a general sense that it is not good for children especially boys, to not have fathers in their life. Why, the question is, why do you think that more isn't being done to, um, to keep fathers in their life? Yes, I think that, that we have a, first of all, you're absolutely right, and sort of to make it really clear um, how right that is, um, be, uh, I've been with the woman I've been I'm now married to for the last 25 years, but uh, for a period of time before that, I was um, uh, dating uh, between marriages, and the um, and about uh, most of the women I went out with uh, were single moms. And aside from the word love, the word I heard most frequently from the single moms uh, was the word overwhelmed. And the single moms are um, almost always feel overwhelmed, whereas the dads who are um, left uh, often feel left out. Uh, not needed or taken for granted or gate-kept, uh, meaning that the mother is saying that, gee, you left the child um, at the, at the um, school when the child is 11 and you went home and watched the football playoffs and you must care more about the um, football playoffs than you do about our child because many male behaviors like roughhousing and, and uh, what I just mentioned appear to the mother to be um, a, a sign of neglect of the child, whereas from the father's point of view, what they're a sign of is uh, willing to give the child the chance to make mistakes and then to process or talk through the mistakes that they're making and find uh, have the child identify what the red flags were that, you know, were they on the basket, what did they go to pick up a basketball game and were there a couple of guys their age drinking and trying to persuade them to drink as well and were they, you know, were they fouling each other in ways that were, uh, were abusive and, and, and then later you got into a fight, well, how could you have gotten out of that situation? 
and a father's perspective on what needs to be done with a child is more likely to involve discipline, more likely to involve tough love, and those things tend to lead to postponed gratification that allow uh, boys to be successful. But oftentimes, whether you're a stepfather or a biological father, oftentimes, especially if there's a divorce, those ways of, of, of helping to contribute to the parenting process and what, what would should ideally be checks and balance parenting where the, the mother's modality is respected and the father's modality is also respected and the mother and father negotiate um, how, to, how to deal with their differences. So the child asks the father to, the mother to climb the tree and the mother says, well, sweetie, the tree is really high and maybe in a few years, but not now. Okay. And the dad says, oh, let the kid you know, climb the tree. She may, you know, and the, and the mother and the father negotiate back and forth and finally agree to let the child climb the tree, but not too high and not on certain branches and that the father has to be out yeah. underneath the tree to cushion the fall. And so the father's, so the second thing that's missing is the father's contribution. And the third thing that's missing is that the child raised without the father, um, with, uh, is, is the father, the female child tends to do worse in about 50 different areas. I was able to document for the boy crisis book, but, but the, the boys do even considerably worse than the daughters do um, in about those 50 different areas, plus some others that do not apply to the girls. And so in a way, everyone's losing. The mother's losing by being overwhelmed. The father's losing by being disregarded or put down or mocked. Um, and the and the child is losing by not having the uh, father involvement. And so, you know, we've talked about one child, you know, no child left behind. Well, the root of no child left behind is really um, wait, making sure wait, that there's no wait, parent Dr. left Dr. behind. Uh-huh. Dr. Merrill, I need to interrupt you because we do need to take a break. But when we come back, we'll continue this conversation. My guest is Dr. Warren Farrell. He is the author of um, a book called Why Our Boys Are Struggling, and what we can do about it. The Boy Crisis is the main title of that book. And when we come back, we'll hear more about that. And, oh, and we have to get to the incels, Dr. Farrell. Sure. (laughs) And how that all relates to uh, the Joker and the father crisis. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, where we're talking today about the Joker movie, Incels, and um, the boy crisis. Um, Well, and mental illness, I should say. And which (laughs) somehow this all involves the boy crisis as well, as you will hear, because um, we're now going to move over to the incels um, aspect of this. Uh, so why don't you tell us about incels? I mean, I, um, you know, we've heard, um, I think in recent times, people have heard about or incels were in the news when, um, particularly with uh, Elliot Rogers and also, you know, the, um, the shooter at UC Santa Barbara and then Adam before him, Adam Lanza at Sandy Hook, but we didn't hear so much about Adam Lanza being an incel, as much about Adam Lanza being an incel as we did about Elliot Rogers. But let's talk about that um, and how this relates to the boy crisis. Yes, Elliot Rogers was the only one that really was identified as an incel, and he was the shooter at UC Santa Barbara, uh, just to put all that together. Um, and the, but basically the larger picture here is that an, an incel, is, the title is really very, very revealing. The incel is involuntarily celibate. So this is a boy that doesn't want to not be involved with girls and women, but he looks at the world and he feels from his perspective a few things. One is he's usually not very successful. He's usually and, and usually does not have a father in his life to a significant degree. And so the, fa- the lack of a father in his life oftentimes leads to the lack of discipline, which leads to the lack of postponed gratification, that leads to the lack of him not being able to finish his homework, um, um, do the, rehearse the drills for, say, a basketball team or, or a, a being a musician. And so he doesn't, so he, has a, he often has a dream because usually the mother is sensitive to his special skills and helps him, encourages him to pursue a dream. But then usually after pursuing the dream without the discipline, he doesn't fulfill his dream. And he tries that two or three or four times and then begins to, to lose, uh, feel, feel ashamed of himself that he's a loser and to think of himself as a loser. And then he finds that, that his mother is saying how sensitive, talented, and, and bright he is. But he's seeing that, and like Elliot Rogers' case that we just talked about at the University of California, Santa Barbara, um, he feels that 
gee, you know, mom says that got girls really like sensitive boys and, um, and will be responsive to them. But she, they, they look like Elliot Rogers did at the, at the boys, um, who are getting the, the dates and they find that they're not the sensitive, caring, sweet boys that say, is it okay if right. I touch your hand? Um, but rather they're the football <laughs> players and the cheerleaders are saying first and 10, do it again to the football players, not first and 10, please be more sensitive like Elliot Rogers is again. Um, to the football <laughs> players, and so they feel hurt, and they feel angry, and they feel like they're, um, and they feel isolated and depressed. And so, if they have a propensity in their genes, or as a result, um, or as a result of um, being um, losing constantly, uh, they start taking drugs, or they t- start drinking alcohol or gambling, and they uh, this can trigger any propensity genetically they have um, toward mental illness. And so all of this gets wrapped up together. Um, it, and now, one uh, one hand, you know, in, in the, doing the research for the boy crisis, one could say that the result of the fatherlessness being such a, a crucial issue that the, you know that my solution would be father involvement. Part of my solution is father involvement, but I'd like to go a step back further, which is really more relevant to the work you do, uh, which is that, um, that, that, that the way that one of the ways to stop fatherlessness and there, uh, therefore to stop the boy crisis is to have um, couples trained in communication skills so that the couple is less likely to divorce and therefore uh, less likely to have a, a lack of father involvement and therefore less likely to have a boy that is um, without the skills that it takes to succeed and therefore not feeling so ashamed of himself. And so this is where, you know, one of the things I'm talking to the White House about now is getting um, either a White House counsel on boys and men or some type of major effort um, to um, be put forth with the involvement of fathers as well as the involvement of communication skills being taught to young men um, as a way of preparing them to be what I call father warriors and then also a way of making the American family great again um, as a way of making America great again, that you don't have a, a great America unless you have a, a, great, a great family with both parents involved and that the real issue yeah. uh, that we should be dealing with is not no child left behind, but no, no parent left behind. Yes, yes. Um, well, that makes sense now. Like, I was looking at your website, and I see that that's what you do a lot of, these couples' um, communication groups and retreats and all of that. That makes total sense. I mean, that kind of answers the question I had asked earlier about, um, you know, if people are realizing to various levels that there is this problem, this this um, boy crisis and lack of father crisis and all that, why aren't isn't more being done about it. And so obviously you're doing what you can, your part, in trying to uh, keep families together. You know, it's it's so um, interesting that people are so uh, defensive. There's so, well, first of all, obviously there's so much divorce going on in America. Well, all over, not just America. And people who have been divorced are so defensive uh, about, acknowledging, even though on one level they really understand this, all the things that you've been talking about, um, but on another level, they don't want to believe that divorce does leave scars on, on kids. And I saw that you act as an expert witness, as I do, and you must, you must come across this all the time. So talk a little bit about that. Yes, um, first of all, um, because there may be some single moms listening or some people who are divorces listening, 
let me give a little bit of hope here. Uh, there is something you can do if there is a divorce situation. What I've in doing the research for the boy crisis, I found that uh, children who have four, four, what I call the four must do's of divorce. Um, if all four of these are are followed, uh, then the damage to the children of divorce is only a little bit more than the damage um, uh, than 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 happens in a grow um, in an intact family. Uh, the first must do is that the children have access about equal, approximately equal access at least 40% of the time uh, to the mother and the father, and that the closer to 50% of the time for both parents, the better the children do on average. Uh, second, uh, that, the, the, that the father and mother not live more than about 20 minutes drive time from each other so that a child in going over to the other parent's house isn't resentful of the other parent because they're having to miss out on uh, soccer practice or their uh, their best friend's birthday. Um, and so that so the, the drive time distance is the second most important thing or the second most important must do. The third is that the child is not able to, that no child is able to detect any bad mouthing or any bad body language in relation to the other parent that's absent and not involved, and that, um, and that the, the child that does feel that is often feels that they have no place to go with that. And when I say bad-mouthing and bad body language, I mean if one child says, oh, I had a great time at daddy's last night or mommy's last night, that the father or mother doesn't just cut the conversation short, look the other way, give negative body language, and, and make, it, make the child feel like sharing how much she or he enjoyed uh, uh, the, the other parent's company uh, is not something to be um, encouraged if the child wants positive attention or wants ice cream for dessert type of thing. And the fourth is that there's um, now very good data um, showing that uh, children of divorce whose parents have a, um, a significant consistent couples communication counseling or relationship counseling, either one, um, after the divorce that they do, um, the, the, the parents do better, the children feel less like they're caught between uh, two parents um, divided and angry at each other and no place that they can go with fluid conversations to both parents. Those are very interesting. Now, I noticed, though, that you don't have in there um, that the child should be in therapy, which is what I recommend. Oh, that's couples. That's that's counseling or relationship counseling. So it's oh that the child should be no, in therapy. The I'm sorry, I missed that. Yes, that is also that hasn't been tested for, but to me that would be common sense. The testing that was done for that, the big studies that were done, uh, were done um, um, by. Uh, a, a, some people on the east and west coast at Yale and at Berkeley, and that they um, and they only measured the amount of involvement that the parents had in couples counseling, um, and sometimes they did or didn't have the children involved in counseling. So it would make common sense that the child involved um, with counselors um, also is important, um, but I don't have a good um, good hard data on that one yet. Mm-hmm. You know that um, I do expert witness work, and I do it for all kinds of cases, civil and, and criminal, um, and including, of course, divorce and custody cases. And I happen to have two cases right now where um, the fathers, uh, in one case, the father was sexually and physically abusive to the child, and in the other case, the father was uh, had been in prison for 17 years and was you know, uh, 
also there was some domestic violence in that case. Now, so, you know, in cases like that, certainly you wouldn't um, think or say that um, there should be at least 40% equal access. I mean, in fact, um, you know, when there was supervised visitation, uh, even then there were problems with abuse and neglect and all of that, even under supervised visitation. So, so what do you say in those kinds of cases? Yes, there's a balancing act um, there. Um, so, often, so many times you, you, you would think automatically, uh, you know, if a father's in prison, um, that's a good enough reason to keep him out of the, you know, the, ch- the child involvement or the father's been significantly abusive, um, especially to the child or when the child is around. And certainly a, um, a significant amount of that or even, um, you know, that propensity really does need to be carefully watched. However, there's, um, I, I used to speak, uh, I spoke oftentimes when I ran for governor of California into prison populations, and um, most of those men who were in prison felt that they were uh, losers with, you know, really, uh, that they were the black sheep of the family, and they really felt uh, terrible about themselves. And when I shared with them how important it was for them to be, um, for, for children to have fathers, it was like, I would see these guys cry and say to me, my God, I thought I was basically useless. Um, now, uh, if I could prevent my children from having, from doing in their life what I did in mine that led me to prison, I'd give anything to do that. And, you know, the, the people, the reports back from the administrators of the prison afterwards were that those, you know, that had a positive impact on significant numbers, yeah. but not all of those men. And some, some men uh, and some women are, you know, are hopeless as drug addicts or as abusers or as enablers. Um, and so um, there is a time uh, when, a, you know, a father or mother needs to be cut off um, from the parenting process. But um, to a much greater degree than is normally thought, you know, a, a father that's been, you know, that was um, selling drugs to hopefully bring money into the, to support the family and was arrested for having uh, marijuana or um, crack on him, uh, does not necessarily mean that that father uh, will be uh, a ma- that man will be a bad father. Um, significant um, and then consist, you know, if, if the father and mother have gotten into the domestic violence situations, we have to remember that it's that fathers and mothers are equally abusive toward each other. They're equally likely to be the first initiators of abuse. Uh, they're equally likely to abuse each other at, at every uh, level of, um, of violence. And that that the best solution to um, domestic violence is teaching both mothers and fathers how to hear each other. So uh, hear personal criticism because it's usually when personal criticism is given that almost every human being is biologically programmed to respond defensively. And some people who, um, who haven't a lot of social skills respond more and more defensively and get out of control and feel very hurt and angry by their partner's uh, upsetness. And women and men both abuse each other about equally. But we've sort of looked at the issue of domestic well, violence as a male versus female, a male to female well, issue as opposed to a, a dual issue. Well, okay, but, but I just want to clarify something because uh, certainly in the cases that I'm talking about, in any case, um, uh, there was not equal, it wasn't, the mother was not being violent towards the father. It was all, all from the father to the mother. And uh, yes. typically it is more from the father to the mother. But we do need to take another break. 
Um, when we come back, we'll talk more about the Joker, incels, mental illness, and the boy crisis. So stay tuned. the experts call toll free right now 1-866-472-5787 and ask our all-star team to answer your question that's 1-866-472-5787 thank you for calling voiceamerica.com are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times do you want help then contact dr carol lieberman today at www.drcarol.com Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where I'm talking with my guest, Dr. Warren Farrell. He's the author of a new book called The Boy Crisis why our boys are struggling, and what we can do about it. Um, I want to talk a little bit uh, about incels because we touched on that, but that actually, um, you know, relates to both the boy crisis, as Dr. Farrell was mentioned in regard to fatherless uh, boys, Um, but also in regard to the Joker, although they certainly didn't make, specifically make the point about uh, the Joker um, being an incel, um, clearly he had no, no relationships uh, except for with his mother. I mean, his relationships at work were um, very poor, and, um, and he was very lonely. And so let me just give you a little background. Incel, as Dr. Farrell was explaining, um, stands for involuntary celibate, involuntary celibate. And um, it was coined by a woman named Alana in 1993. We think because the new thing, but actually this goes back to 93. And she is someone who found herself unable to connect with a romantic partner or even a friend. And she started a website that she called the Involuntary Celibacy Project. And um, she was expressing her feelings about being marginalized on this website. And she was trying to find a community 
of like-minded adults who she could chat with on her website and try to solve this painful isolation. And um, it was very brave of her because no one was talking about this at the time. And eventually she abandoned the website and she discovered she was gay. And then she did enter into an intimate relationship. Now, this involuntary celibacy project, the website, was um, designed to welcome people of either gender. The main point was inclusivity because both men and women can feel isolated by uh, not being able to attract or keep um, romantic partners, but also even friends. And um, certainly that is the story of the Joker. I mean, that was his uh, fate as well, that he wasn't able to be close to someone. In fact, it's interesting, there was... um, there was someone in the movie that uh, you think he's having a relationship with, and then it turns out you find out that these were his delusions and or hallucinations. But I'm not going to go, not going to, not going to say more than that about it. But, but he was so lonely that he had these fantasies about having this woman in his life. And um, because that's what he had hoped for, wished for. So, you know, being lonely and, and today, it's funny, because that was in 93, but um, even though, you know, today with, with online dating and um, people are still incredibly lonely, even though, you know, there are more hookups than maybe in 93, but, um, but people are still incredibly lonely because these hookups, these one-night stands, leave people even lonelier than um, just being without someone in their life or just having, you know, serial relationships that end. But, um, but these, these, you know, hookups, these one-night stands that you have many more of uh, by going online, even there's a, an emptiness that people are left with um, that are even worse than it was back in the day. So, um, Dr. Farrell, would you like to comment on that? Yes, these are really all connected. Uh, the, a lot of boys who are, do not have a lot of father involvement, uh, they oftentimes become not as successful as, at, at doing things as they'd like to be. Uh, they often feel like they're losers, and women are not very attracted to them. So while in the incel com- started as a female, uh, phenomenon. The, the great majority of incels today are, are males because when a boy doesn't do well in school, doesn't do well in sports, um, isn't uh, you know good, good at something like being a musician, um, girls are usually not attracted to losers. Whereas for boys, the the issue for is much more that if the girl isn't doing well in, in school or isn't doing well as a musician or as a scholar or as a um, sports person um, it's more the attraction the 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 girl the, the guy doesn't say oh i'm not going to date her she's not doing that well in school uh, it's more a physical attraction type of thing that can make a, a girl feel um, very lonely and isolated but um, the so an, an incel is almost always somebody that feels that 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 they don't have um, that they are ashamed of themselves, that they're withdrawn, that they, they're, they're not able, to, and that if they do get involved with a girl or woman and they have a child, uh, that they could lose, maybe their, their father 
had a child and the father was, uh, the child was taken away from the father. Um, and they feel the, the, they often feel the system is set up against them so that if they get involved with a girl or a woman, um, that, and, and they break up and their history is oftentimes that their relationships don't do well. So they fear that if they break up from a girl or uh, with a girl or woman, and particularly if there's a child involved, that the system is set up against them, that they'll lose the access to the child, they'll lose the, the girl, the girl will become, uh, the girl or woman will become sort of an enemy to them. And they've seen too much of that in their life, usually from their father or an uncle, that having that happen, and that leads to the withdrawal. So the, a big question that you and I talked about offline was, you know, what can a single mother do about this? And one of the, some of the things that a single mom can do is to get, um, if your child is younger, your son is younger, um, the Boy Scouts are very, um, the Boy Scouts, and, the, and if he's younger than the Boy Scout age, uh, the Cub Scouts are extremely um, successful at developing good, the, the positive aspects of masculinity um, and uh, meaning good character, uh, loyalty, involvement, and good social skills. Um, those uh, much better than not being involved with the Cub Scouts. Um, Boy Scouts are also very helpful. Getting your son involved in all three types of sports, um, team sports is most important, but also encouraging him to be involved in pickup team sports where he learns the skills of being able to uh, judge who, who children are that are worth play, playing with and how to get along with them and how to establish rules and how not to violate those rules. Um, and then also single uh, sports like tennis or gymnastics where even though there's a team, um, the, the primary effort is self-starting on the part of the, the discipline of the um, child to, to practice for the team. Uh, certainly music is important. And if you're a faith-based in your orientation, getting your child involved in a faith-based community um, where the, and particularly important is two things. One is that the, 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 the your son has a very good male um, who's in that faith-based community. And then secondly, that that, and more importantly, that the male gets uh, your son involved with other boys his age um, so that the, um, that the boy can see that his loneliness and withdrawal and his, his anxiety, his anger, uh, that, that, that that's not him alone. And that as he hears other boys having that same fear, that mask of masculinity that they're hiding behind, um, he feels much less lonely. Um, and of course, all of this is true for girls um, as well, but to a lesser degree, um, girls are more likely to have a, a same-sex role model in the mother um, and more likely to express feelings and more likely to talk to girls um, with, um, about their problems without um, being ashamed about doing that. Well, of course, though, girls have a different, um, their main problem when there's divorce and the father isn't in their life very much, uh, their main problem is that they uh, are attracted to bad boys and that they um, are, become promiscuous, do anything to, to have male attention. Um, you know, that's why, I mean, all the, how, how sex and oral sex and uh, how girls are, are, are desperate to do anything, are willing to do anything to attract a boy and get male attention because they're so desperate after they don't have the attention of their fathers. You're absolutely it right about that. Their and... life. It ruins their life in that way as well. Um, you know, that was, uh, 
that was, I wrote about that. Uh, that was part of what I wrote about in my book, Bad Boys, um, why we, why we love them, how to live with them and when to leave them and bad girls, why men love them and how good girls can learn their secrets. But talking about boys, and since we're sort of coming to the end of the show, I want to make sure I have time to tell people, remind people about all your books. Um, the, uh, the two award-winning international bestsellers, Why Men Are the Way They Are, The Myth of Male Power, and then another book, Father and Children um, Reunion, Father and Child Reunion. And then, of course, the, the more recent book, the current book, uh, the new book, Why the Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About It. And um, this can be found, of course, on Amazon and, of course, in um, independent bookstores, which we all love to support. And also, it is now out in an Audible version as well. So, um, I think it, it, there are so many that, you know, in addition to what you were describing as the individual uh, impact of uh, fatherless homes, you know, this uh, we sort of touched on it in terms of... Um, Boys becoming, or boys um, drinking, taking drugs, that triggering genetic predispositions to illness like schizo- illnesses like schizophrenia, mental illness, and then of course also taking out their aggression uh, in mass shootings like we had with Elliot Rogers, and you know if you look at all the mass shooters. Elliot Rogers was also an incel, but if you look at mass shooters in general, you will find that they come, the mo- for the most part, they come from broken homes. Uh, that, that is one that, of the things that is prevalent. That's absolutely right. Say? Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. If you, and if you look at these issues um, here, like we often blame the mass shootings on um, guns or um, access to um, uh, violent video games um, or electronics or um, uh, um, other types of issues like um, bad family values or so on. And girls have access to the same guns, the same um, uh, violence in the media, same violence in uh, video games, um, the same family values. They're at the same socioeconomic level as their brothers um, in the same types of homes. Um, and yet girls are not doing the shootings. The boys are. And this gives you a sense of how, and the great majority of these boys, about 80-85% are from fatherless homes, so they're not, so they're just about 100% boys, Um, so I think one exception to that rule, and then then Uh a significant, yes. Okay, I'm sorry, Dr. Barrel, I kind of need to interrupt you because we kind of need to stop the show, we're coming to an end here. Um, I do want to just say, you know, quickly say one thing. Of course, I agree with you 100% in regard to guns, but um, as someone who has um, done research on media violence, um, no, media violence does have an impact on, on girls and boys, yes, boys more, but that could be, um, for one thing, could be because of this additional variable of the fact that they are coming from fatherless homes or broken homes. We need to stop, unfortunately, right now. But thank you so much. Again, the the book is called The Boy Crisis. So thank you so much, Dr. Farrell, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 